Welcome to a VQ podcast. My name is Johnny D, and we are here at the Asian Garden Mall for a very special event called Vekwenya, Coming Home, hosted by Little Saigon Official, the Vietnamese Creative Collective, as well as Hot Noise. So this is a very one-of-a-kind special event, and we are bringing to you guys our a live podcast, and we're going to be interviewing all the artists as well as the performers, as well as well as we got a special interview with um, Julie, one of the um, members of the organizing committee. So, stay tuned. I'm here with Brian Wan, one of the artists for tonight's uh, exhibit and event. He's also the main, he was the artist that drew the poster for the uh, for the event as well. So, Brian, thank you for joining us here on this pleasure. podcast. Uh, why don't you actually tell the people, we have it right here on the screen, uh, the inspiration behind the, the artwork. Uh, so, like, the poster in general? Well, it was just... Uh, it's our history, right? And like, we are descended from dragons and fairies. And I did uh, an earlier version of Black Langun and Okum, but this time I wanted to focus more on Okum, so that you know she get in score of like with Fale, because she did, according to legend, carry a hundred eggs. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, like, because the story is, she had a hundred eggs, which hatched a hundred babies. 50 of which went with her and uh, the other 50 went with uh, and that is like the people from Zalat and the people by the sea now all Vietnamese that is like our kind of Adam and Eve if you uh, have to like kind of compare it to something yeah so Brian why don't you tell us a little bit about your your background as an artist like uh what, what's the discipline and uh, the media that you choose and, and yeah, take us through your journey. Yeah, sure. Uh, so I went to this school uh, at Charity College in Canada, uh, produced a lot of like Disney animators back in the day. And so like, I went there for a few years, graduated, worked in a day job and just did art as a side hustle for like 10 years. And then in 2014 went full on into art, like full time. And then COVID happened. And I just got inspired by Vietnam. Uh, like looking into my culture, I had the time to, you know, appreciate our, our ancestors, our parents that struggled. And I wanted to like pay tribute to Vietnam. And I just totally did a 180 and pivoted away from like pop culture art into Vietnamese art. And this is like the work that I've been most proud of, like ever. So let's talk about like the significance of actually doing 
kind of an art exhibit as well as a, a cultural event here at the most iconic building I feel that represents the Vietnamese diaspora, Asian Garden Mall. So, yeah. what are your thoughts on, like, I don't think uh, Asian Garden Mall has ever done an event like this before. Come on. Alright, well, first of all, it's a huge honor. Uh, just the fact that, so Lark, one of the, the main organizers, just reached out to me, and I was kind of busy at the time, so, you know, I wasn't sure if I was able to do it. He said, you don't have to make him an original piece, just submit one of your older pieces. I'm like, all right, I'm in. And then as I learned more about it, I just kind of realized what a big deal this was. And then tonight, just being here, meeting all the artists, meeting everyone from the community, uh, you know, Kenneth Nguyen, I've, I've been on his show a few times, but this is the first time I've met him in person. And it's just a really big deal for me to be here and it's a huge honor to be part of this community even though I'm all the way up in Canada to be part of this California community that is so important because I the diaspora. All right I'm here with uh, Julia Bui she's one of the artists featuring today at the event. Um, Julia can you tell us a little bit about um, your background tell us about um, yeah. Okay. So um, thank you for having me. My name is Julia. And you know, my background is a little bit of art and psychology. So I have a full-time job as a school counselor. Um, and I love that because I do a lot of portraits as part of my work. So I decided to submit for this show a portrait of my mother and father. So the title is Bama. Um, and the medium is oil on canvas. Oil on canvas, OK. Mm -hmm. And take us through, like, what would you like to share about your piece? So, um, really, my piece, one of the things it's kind of different than some of the other artists is it's actually not for sale. Uh, it's so, not for sale? No, okay. it's not for sale. So, what I really wanted to do is just expose people to the idea of, like, getting their portraits painted from life. So that's not something that you usually do because it does right. take a lot of time. Uh, a lot of things are painted from photographs, but I feel like it loses a sort of like its sort of energy and essence when you paint from a photograph. So that's something that I adhere to pretty strictly as I always paint from life. How long does a piece like this take to, to finish, from start to finish? So it honestly, it depends on the sitter. So if somebody can sit for longer, of course, I will try to push it a little bit longer if I can. But you know, my parents are a little bit older. So I think the max that they could handle was two hours sitting. Right. And I had to do a, a few touch ups afterwards with, with the photograph. So uh, how important of an event like this, where it showcases artists and illustrators for um, for uh, an artist like yourself, how important of an event like this is? It's super important because um, it's all Vietnamese artists. So the another thing that was really like motivating me to be a part of this show is I noticed that a few years ago I was, um, if you ever did uh, like the Google Arts and Culture where you tried to put your photograph in like a database of all artwork and it would generate for you like um, some, some famous artwork, when I put my own photo, I did not, they, they showed me like white people and I'm like, I'm not a white person. Why yeah, are they no, not showing me? Correct, yeah. Exactly. Why are they not showing me fine art, fine artists, like work that is representing like me as a Vietnamese person. So that's kind of like my next project is I want to like get commissions from families, especially Vietnamese families 
uh, to paint their family portraits. So I would love to paint like moms and dads, grandfathers, grandmothers, or, or a whole family even. So that's sort of my next project. How long have you been? How long have you been uh, painting or? Uh, been um, I would say technically for just like two to three years. Okay. So I took a class at a community college back in 2016. And then from there, I just started like painting people on a regular basis. I actually have my own solo show coming up at uh, the Frank Doyle P Pavilion in Costa Mesa in September. So that was a project that I did for two years where I just painted like couch surfers that stayed with me. Got it. Yeah. All right, I'm here with uh, one of the artists. Her name is Min Quinn. All coming to us all the way live from uh, all the way from Atlanta, Georgia. Yes, sir. So, Atlanta, Georgia. So take us through. Um, I want to know a little bit about the story behind your piece. Can you share? Can you introduce it and then talk about what was the what's the story and the inspiration behind it? Yeah, absolutely. Well, basically, the um, the piece is called "A Hungry Ghost of Suburbia," and essentially, it's about this unique intersection that I personally have in my life about growing up both Asian American, or rather not both, but like Asian American, Vietnamese, LGBT, and also Buddhist. And that's something that we're not really talking about is that intersection between how those things play with each other. So growing up in the American South, you know, basically, there's not a lot of Buddhists, you know? There's just not a lot. And there's not a lot of Vietnamese kids I grew up with. I think that was maybe one of like two or three Vietnamese kids in my neighborhood. Out in uh, Atlanta? Um, in my little suburb outside of it. In the suburb. Yeah. Okay. So it was maybe, I'm, there's like maybe two or three other Vietnamese kids and not including myself, you know? So basically, I felt very alone in that experience. And I have this very distinct memory. It was such a poor memory in my life. I was about 11 years old, and I'm 28 now, which tells you how poor of a memory this is. It was in my world history class, and we were learning about different world religions and cultures. And, you know, the teacher was trying to be real helpful. You know, she was trying, and she was talking about, like, Buddhist, um, Buddhism and, like, Buddhist art. And a very common motif in Buddhist art, if y'all don't know, is that a lot of Buddhist figures, especially the Bodhisattvas and the more religious figures, they're portrayed with um, a feminine face but a masculine chest. You know, and it's basically to show the thousands upon thousands of lives they've lived in order to seek spiritual enlightenment. Because surely for like thousands of lives, you weren't a man the whole time and you weren't a woman the whole time. And when you reach spiritual enlightenment, I mean, frankly, it don't matter anymore. And kids were nasty as hell about it. They were like saying really homophobic, transphobic slurs. And I remember as someone who was still in the closet at the time, it hit me in like three distinct spaces, being a Vietnamese, being Buddhist, but also being LGBT. And that sadness persisted with me through a good chunk of my adulthood. And I wanted just to take that sadness and just put it out there and just let it go, you know? I just wanted to let it go for for my own sake, you know what I mean? And hopefully someone else can relate to it. Let's talk about your training. So like, um, uh, did, uh, let's, uh, what's your background and uh, how you came to be as an artist? Sure, so I was actually completely self-taught okay. um, up until I went to graduate school. So basically, I had this dream of becoming an artist and I just quite literally you know, I just looked up YouTube videos 
on the prestigious University of YouTube. <laughs> and I just looked up YouTube videos every single day and just drew and drew and drew until finally I had like 12 pieces to put in my portfolio good enough to get a master's degree to apply to master's school and the rest is history. And for those who don't know you, what would be the one thing that would best describe your body of work? How would you describe your body of work? Um, my body of work is... Wow, that's a really big question. Um, I would say that it's always changing. I think I'm always evolving, where it's always personal to me, but my only hope is that someone else can relate to it as well. But it's always changing, like me. I'm always changing, and but it's always about my love for the community, I think. That's the direction that I'm heading towards, is that I have a lot of um, feelings about being Asian-American, being Vietnamese-American in particular, that I've yet to put out there on the page. And I hope that I can still continue to do that. I, um, I specifically want to mention and highlight your, your outfit. Yeah. Um, more commonly around here, we see a, the traditional type of Aoyai. This is a very distinctive, and I believe it's a um, so Describe it for us, and what was your motivation for, uh, for wearing it tonight? My motivation is simple, is that I think for me growing up, is that in history classes, right, whenever we talk about Vietnamese people, if we ever talk about Vietnamese people, it's always through the lens of white American soldiers, and we're kind of the background characters in our own story, you know, and I want people to know tonight, and whenever I wear this outfit, we are so much more than a traumatizing civil war. We had empires, entire dynasties. Absolutely. We are so much more than the narrative that we're subscribed to. You know, we are people that had entire lives that were taken from us violently. And I want people to remember that we had strength, we have courage in us, and we have resilience in us. And we had our entire government structures that existed before French colonization because this outfit would have been worn during um, the 1800s. So French colonization happened in, if, don't quote me on this, but if I remember correctly, it's about 1858. So this outfit would have been worn during that period. So a little bit before that, around 1802-ish. So we had lives, entire lives before that. And I want the community to remember that. Is there a specific, uh, so if people were to look up um, the, the type of outfit, what is, do you know the name of yes, it? Yes, it's called the Nyakbin. Okay. The Nyakbin. So basically, um, a little bit of cultural history about it is that it's inspired by an outfit called the Pifong. So the Pifong is from China. And essentially, the Vietnamese, we kind of add, add our own spice to it, we add our own flair to it, you know? So these colors right here represent the elements. Um, don't quote me on this again, but I believe, I believe, I could be wrong, someone can fact check me out here, but this is um, for earth, this is air, this is water, this one is fire, and I believe this one is metal. So basically, it's it's just to show like harmony with nature, I really like that symbolism right here. Um, am I allowed to stand up? Okay. So like, I don't know if y'all can see this, but like, the whole ensemble. I love the state pendant right here. This is actually the symbol of the, um, the Wing Dynasty. And um, this was the last ruling dynasty. 
dynasty of Vietnam. Okay. So yeah, the Nguyen dynasty was the last ruling dynasty, so like this is the symbol of it. And it's just to show, hey, you know, we have a history. That's my message tonight. And um, the theme of this whole event is called Vive, Vive, uh, yeah. So, um, what, what's the significance for you uh, to be a part of this event? I, I am just so honored. Like, literally, my artwork is hanging next to my heroes. Like, literally, literally, my art is hanging next to Brian's. You know, I, when I was, you know, trying to go into graduate school, thinking that it's impossible to even be an Asian artist, you know, or Vietnamese artist, rather. Like, I was just scrolling through Instagram looking up Vietnamese artists. I quite literally just typed into Instagram, Vietnamese artist, and he popped up, and I was just, like, blown away by his work, and I was like, hey, man, if he can do it, shit, so as hell, can, I can do it, too, you know? Oh, yeah. I can do it, you know, and I got to meet him this weekend, and it's been... I don't, I am just speechless. I'm speechless by the love in this community. I'm speechless by the kindness that I've been shown here. The enthusiasm from the younger generation, the enthusiasm from California, it's, it's breathtaking. And I hope that enthusiasm perpetuates through the rest of the country. I hope that it's an echo that can be heard on my coast as well. What's up guys, I'm here with David. He's a chef and content creator based here in Orange County, California. Is that correct? All right, David, so, what brings you out to this particular event tonight? Uh, for this uh, particular event, I wanted to come out specifically just to you know, support the community and uh, what the Viet Creative crew are doing. I think it's a great movement for the youth to um, continue to contribute to our community to help it grow and I just want to show them a little bit of love. So for those who don't, are not familiar with your work, like as a creator, what I, I've, I've been checking out your work. Like, what, How would you describe um, your your content uh, my content is uh, based around food content recipe content I um, I have a cooking background a culinary background I went to culinary school worked at some of uh, the top restaurants in the nation for example French Laundry and Club 33 and um, basically I started creating content to help people to get in the kitchen and for them to learn how to cook yeah. And do you feature a lot of Vietnamese food? I do, and I'm starting to moving forward, yes. You do a lot of collab with also Tway Tway the Bay, right? That's correct. All Another right. great Vietnamese-American uh, chef and content creator. How, how did you guys uh, kind of start hooking up? I think um, just being Vietnamese, being a Vietnamese creator in the space, um, eventually you're gonna uh, bump into each other and that's how that's how we connected was basically through Instagram. So yeah. being that this event was intentional to do an event here in Asian Garden Mall for Lakaw, yeah. um, like what do you think this community needs or what, what can we do to attract consistently creators and um, uh, and, and the younger folks in this community to, uh, to come back and and, and, and try to, yeah, what, what can we do to grow this, uh, this community? Um, first of all, I think just having more events like this, because I think right now uh, for the younger generation and for the creator, um, the creators out there, uh, we want to represent our people. Representation is important for people. Um, but to keep it short, I think just have more events like this for creators like myself to come out, show love, and be more involved with the community. 
All right, guys, I'm here with Julie, one of the organizers representing the Vietnamese, uh, the Vietnamese Collective, Creative Collective. And um, I want to ask you, Julie, like how this whole project began and then also how you guys got Asian Garden Mall full of thaw <laughs> to allow you to um, do this whole event. Yeah, um, so honestly, it felt like a blink of an eye. Um, everything just felt expedited because it kind of was. Um, I mean, this idea came about, I want to say two, three months ago. It, it's, it's been a very quick process. Um, Mark from Hot Noise, um, we were first in communication to let's put something together. Um, you know, he's hosted events before for Vietnamese artists, illustrators and he wants to bring it to OC and he wants to, you know, create something bigger. And so... Well, this is bigger. Yeah, this, this, is, this is very big. <laughs> um, and, you know, we were, you know, at the same time trying to uh, host our official launch. We had a soft launch and mm -hmm. that's where, you know, we were able to have you mm -hmm. um, come support us as well. Mm -hmm. And so, honestly, we were aiming for our official launch to be a little later. Um, but <laughs> meeting Mark, you know, everything was just like, oh my gosh, our values aligned. Um, and, you know, the timeline of everything kind of just matched up and we're like, you know what, let's go for it. And what better way to kick off API month than with a celebration of Vietnamese heritage and culture. Um, and then a little bit in with our process, we were able to connect with Chris from Little Saigon Official mm -hmm. And he was, um, you know, our communication to Asian Garden Mall since he has a shop here. And that's where everything just one after another, opportunity after opportunity. It was like we were overwhelmed by how much support we got. Um, we have so many, you know, in-kind donations from today, you know, Song Kai um, and a lot of other um brands that wanted to help us uplift the Vietnamese community and for us we wanted to provide a platform for not only Vietnamese creatives in general but to bridge the gap between the younger and the older generation um, and what better way to do it through a medium of art um, and for me I can relate to that really um, especially with the two films by Jen Han, you know, Bo mm -hmm. Ya and Nia Ban Nu. My parents and I, you know, and of course, mm -hmm. like many other um, families, we don't talk about feelings, you know? <laughs> so sometimes we're like, hey, here's this song, you know, that's, that's how I feel, or here's this movie, like, it's just so relatable. And so um, to see so much support, not only from the younger and the older generation today, like, it made us really happy and emotional. <laughs> so let's, let's dive into what what it, what it meant to you when you heard that it was going to be done at Asian Better Mall, right? So like, what is what is this space or this mm -hmm. building? Um, what does that mean to you? Yeah, um, we have such great support from management, to Frank Zhao, um, to bring life to the Asian Garden Mall. I grew up I was born and raised in Little Saigon. Mm -hmm. So this is literally my home. Um, we come here for food, we come here for jewelry. I got my first piercing here. Like there's just so much memory, like not only with my family, but people who come from out of state, out of town, this is where people go for, you know, culture. Um, there's just so many 
I, I mean, you know, born and raised here, uh, I had to learn a lot in order to, you know, be fluent in Vietnamese and to learn my culture. And Asian Garden Mall, you know, always hosts um, events like Tết Trung Thu or Tết Nguyên Đan, and it's so great to see how Vietnamese culture is celebrated in America. Um, ironically, I've never been to Vietnam, so I need to do that. Um, but it, it me, it's it's really home, and that's why our theme is Về Quê Nhà, coming home. No matter how far you are, you know, um, symbolically or physically, this is our home, and this is where we want to unite our community. Awesome, mm -hmm. awesome. Um, you're also going to be hitting the stage tonight uh, mm -hmm. with your group. Uh, take us through what dance means to you, and tell us a little bit about your group. Yes, so our group is called Ba Um, that's in Vietnamese, 3 AM. So mm -hmm. Um um is for, you know, sound or music. There's three of us. <laughs> um, there's me, um, Katrina, and Cassandra. So we're childhood friends. Um, we actually met in Wushu. So that's a Chinese martial arts. Um, we met when I was like four or five. So um, we grew up together. They're like my little sisters. Um, growing up, we have the same passion and love for singing, dancing, martial arts, um, choreography. And so we have put together, you know, a group um, to integrate both modern and traditional elements of dance. And today specifically, we chose the song Gondam Chao Tien, um, which again aligns with our theme. We want to bring awareness to where we came from. And Vietnamese legend, you know, the dragon lord and fairy Lakampuan and Oka, you know, they have hundred children, 50 follow their mom, 50 follow their dad, and it just reminds us of like the Vietnamese diaspora where overseas, um, again, no matter where we are, we want to remember our roots, where we come from, and so our dance today, um, you know, integrated both traditional Vietnamese elements and um, martial arts in there. So we threw in some fans and we threw in some swords in there. <laughs> Yeah. Awesome. And then um, just one last question about the event. Um, what do you want people to take away from uh, this particular event? We want people to, one, um, have a voice. Um, this is our time to rise. Um, we are, in general, you know, Asians are finally making an appearance in mainstream media and now especially Vietnamese. We want to be able to um, encourage people to, you know, seek seek their voice, speak up, um, share their talents. And so that's why, you know, our goal as Vietnamese Creators Collective, we want to be able to provide an open and safe platform for, um, you know, creators in general, visual performing arts, um, to be able to share their work and to uplift each other and to really hone into the Vietnamese, Vietnamese heritage and culture. And, um, you know, hopefully today we are able to gain support from both, um, you know, the older and younger generation. And this is only the beginning. Well, I for one am very proud of you and Thank the whole collective, you. as well as um, <laughs> This is a very special event for me. That's the reason why I wanted to come out here and do a live podcast. Mm -hmm. And uh, I wish you all the best. And yeah, and also congratulations on this actually finally being the official launch. Thank you so much. We appreciate you. You've been a girl, like the best supporter <laughs> you could ever ask for. From day one, literally. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much, John. All right, I'm here with 
one of my favorite DJs, and I've been wanting to interview him for so long. Um, DJ Demon Slayer. So Dan, very, uh, very good to see you here at Asian Garden Mall of all places for this very special event. So take us through what what, what does it mean for you to actually do a DJ set in the iconic Full Pop? Well, um, dude, it's like full circle, you know, because like when I was a teenager, I would go here and buy like mix CDs from, you know, DJ Epic, DJ Mystic. OGs. OGs, you know, they're the first generation. Um, you know, I was a gangster back then, so we fought a lot of fights here, um, bought a lot of Dragon Ball hey. stuff. Um, you know, it was really, this place, like, it's really interesting because, um, you know, it's associated with our parents and right. first gen stuff, but at the same time, the Vietnamese American youth, during the time, it's, it's ours too. You know, and, you know, growing up, like, you know, some would be like, yo, this place is kind of corny or fobby, uh, the F word, you know, and then some other people would be like, yo, this place is dope. But then, you know, nowadays, like after we all kind of grew past that and then like develop like on our own, you know, we all look at this place, I believe, as like a historic Vietnamese American iconic spot, you know? So for me to come back here and play here and like play weird music, my music, play Vietnamese new wave, you know, like this is where it was born. Um, it was very surreal to me and very um, fulfilling, you know? Uh, I wish my parents were here, not just two. Um, no, I told them I was playing football and they're like, yeah, I, and I'm like, that's what they say for everything, you know? Uh, no, no shade on them, they're just Vietnamese. Well, um, being here and then also, you know, all like this generation, these kids doing a, Vietnamese creative collective and kind of like facilitating a spot for the up and coming, you know, that's like, that's very special to me, you know, cause like we didn't really have these spots uh, as I was coming up. So we had to find our own, but I feel like it's just me being able to, to just share what I know and, and being here, like sharing space with, with these kids and with the new gen, it's like very empowering for not only for them, but for me too, you know? So it's kind of like, a little bit of healing here as well, um, being in this spot. And yeah, it's like seeing, you know, all the umbad, like grandma, grandpa's dancing, and then all the little kids too is like, you know, I was like, you know, so it was very, very fulfilling. Like, um, usually when there's an after, after dark event here at Asian Guatemala, it happens out front. It's the, uh, the food market. And that actually is a smash, right? It's a hit. Um, in Vietnam, many times I go back, those night markets are just killer. And we see that even in the uh, here in Southern California with the 66 night market and so forth. But never anything hosted inside. Like, and to add to that, you know, not only just the, the, the music and the, um, the stage performances that all kind of came on, um, the big main feature today was the visual artists and illustrators um, and showcasing their work. Because I, I don't feel there's... Uh, you know, in my opinion, I don't see a lot of uh, platforms or events that uh, give them shine, right? And um, prior to this event, I didn't know even uh, a dozen of visual artists that I could um, that I can highlight. Now, after this event, I got 21. <laughs> and and then on top of that, the amount, the the commitment, these artists, um, they flew from pretty far places. There was a guy that flew from Toronto. Um, Maryland, there, there was a gal that I interviewed from Atlanta, Georgia, um, and she felt really 
it was really passionate about all this. So I know as artists ourselves, um, we're always competing to find and collaborate with spaces um, to present our work, right? So I, I truly just speak in my opinion about what the significance of this event is. I never thought that Asian Garden Mall, um, which means so much to different generations, um, was able to share, I mean, to, to bring a different set of creatives here um, and and kind of transform it to what it is. So like when I walked along the hall and seeing these new, um, these new art displayed, then I look, then I'm listening to your beats on the background of that. Um, and, uh, seeing just young folks, a lot of people wearing these little Saigon, um, uh, uh, attire, including myself, you know? So, uh, I, I, I think this is the start and I, I do believe there are more and more platforms that are going to be coming from this, the more creators that are tapping into their, their roots. Um, I want to talk a little bit about your V-Wave project because, um, the new wave as significance to the Vietnamese diaspora um, from the first generation, which I would define as the folks that, um, you know, came in during that wave and then they grew up here during their teens and 20s. And um, I would say that generation really took a liking to, to new wave, right? And I, in particular, you know, grew up in the 90s where R&B and hip hop was more of my pop music or my choice of music. Why do you, why do you feel new wave really resonated with um with that generation well i think um at that time like it was new wave but it was also a lot of other genres like 80s pop and like synth pop um a lot of like cha-cha like all types of stuff but after everyone came here from vietnam and they're finding their ground finding their place in america the music gave them something that was their own you know like here's this super dope song by tears for fears and then you know they're playing it at Vietnamese clubs and like yo why don't we just do a Vietnamese coverable so it started there it started as the the DASP new immigrants like claiming something as their own you know and my older like uncles and cousins were listening to it uh, we listened to all types of music in the house like disco country pop all that rock classic rock so growing up like I was able to absorb all of that and but new wave for some reason just stuck with me a little bit more uh especially like kind of like the moodier songs because you know seeing my cousins and uncles growing up and you know fighting racism and making a name for themselves like standing up for themselves you know because at that time Vietnamese people just came to America the Vietnam War was very fresh and a lot of Vietnamese were like oh let's just keep to ourselves and you know work and study so we could do it and let's not you know, maybe not be too loud, like, because Vietnamese were facing so much racism, but I still face racism a lot, you know? So New Wave was, they were loud. They had, like, big hair. They had, like, they were, some of them were goth, you know? So they were like, yo, this is us. So to me, early on, it was, like, kind of rebellious and also very Vietnamese-American, you know? And growing up and then, you know, I kind of got away from it a little bit. New Wave died and, like, you know, mid 90s and then like freestyle came out and like freestyle electro really hard yeah and uh yeah electro and all that stuff and then when i moved to vietnam in 2010 i was djing a lot and i was like yo i gotta play some vietnamese stuff and vietnamese music at that time like it was very very limited there wasn't a lot of like to me cool like dance music it was a lot of like 
love songs and ballads and things like that. And then I was like, oh crap. Like I was looking through my library and I was like, yo, I have these songs from the early nineties from my uncles. Like, let me just play them. And I played them. And a lot of the people in Vietnam, like never heard that before. Cause that style of music was banned for a long time in Vietnam. And I was like, yo, and when I was playing it, like I felt the, the pride and like the nostalgia and like the goosebumps that I, that I felt when I was a kid. So I was like, it was one, it was like my childhood growing up. Another thing, it was like Vietnamese American, they represented that to me. And it represented like Vietnam, Vietnamese American, like both sides and like now, you know? So, um, yeah, so that's why it's like, it, it really resonates with me and I try to played in like all of my my sets and then, I, I I think that's there's a lot of truth behind that like I think that new wave is um was the pop music for for that generation yeah as it's um and it's uniquely is unique to the being diaspora right yeah that's why like in Vietnam like you said they never heard it so when they heard it they were like wait a minute this you were you you felt as a curator and as a music presenter boom this is a way to kind of showcase this side yeah and, yeah right so we're um but let's let's dive a little bit deeper because I I was really fascinated by the project about how like you we know Paris by Night did a lot of great a lot of the artists chose new wave as a genre to do covers of but then there was also a beyond that I believe you said that there were records that original like new wave like new wave songs yes were still in vitals and records right and that's what you you brought that to your project. So I guess let's take this time to present your project and mm -hmm. your process of, of putting that track list together. Yeah. So, so a lot of the tracks, like I spent probably 15 years, like searching for gathering, um, in the early nineties, like late eighties or whatever, I was like, what, eight or something or nine. And like, just growing up, like in our household, there's like crates of old records, CDs and cassettes, you know, and they're just like sitting in the attic or something. So as I got older into my teens, cause I come from like hip hop records, like turntablism, and there's like a digging culture in there. So digging is like, we go, we hunt yeah. for like really rare, like old funk records. It's called rare grooves or like old, um, out of print, blah, blah, blah. So I took that approach and then applied it to Vietnamese music. So for instance, I would go here, Fuglet and I would go into the music stores and be like, yo, you guys got this, you guys got this. And a lot of the stores at that time, they had already left New Wave behind, you know? So they gave away a lot of the, the tapes, CDs, they threw them away. But once in a while, they'd be like, oh, we have this, this little box right here. Maybe you want to look through it, but it's just trash. Like it's, it's nothing good. And that's where I found some of like the illest tapes, you know? And of course the tapes were like, not that good quality because a lot of them were copies of copies of copies because the bootlegging scene back then was nuts. Like everything was copied, you know? Um, it was like a huge epidemic here in a sense, you know? So I took those tapes, um, tapes from my uncles. Uh, there used to be these blogs, um, Vietnamese blogs, like, yeah, they're, they're not around anymore, but they were from people in Vietnam who were audiophiles because the audiophile scene was really huge over there. Like, um, home, home amplification, that type of stuff, you know, like people would buy original CDs and like play them on like 
tube amps that are like thousands of dollars, you know, just for that crisp sound. So a lot of those people ran blogs where they would rip old CDs. So there was like a, a small part of that community where their focus was on Vietnamese American whistle or like Nhạc Ban or like Nhạc Duke, Mai Mi Lam, you know? So there was like little pockets like that. So endless hours, like days and weeks searching online, I would like come across like this guy's blog and maybe he only has like five posts, but one post is like the whole CD like ripped. And I'm just like, yo, so like I would reach out to them. A lot of them wouldn't even respond, but some of them would be like, oh yeah, here, I have this other tape that I ripped that's not aligned. They'll send it to me, then I'll get the track. I'll go through the tapes, the CDs. If there's something like, like, cause the, the pack that I did, the B-Wave pack, like all the songs are kind of like a little bit groovy, a little bit, um, they're not too like happy, happy, but they're like kind of. So that's the type of stuff I was looking for. And like, they're all gonna have like hard beats, you know? So if I came across one of those tracks, I would like, it was a, a lengthy process, like restoring the, the recording because when it's recorded and it's, it's like low quality, you only have that bit of information in the recording. So to recreate that information, to make it high quality, it's like a painstaking process, you know, like boosting, like different frequencies, like patching each part of the song, like moving stuff around. Like it was, it was pretty, um, and that's, that's actually why, cause I was supposed to drop this in first, I was supposed to drop it in 2012. Then I was supposed to release it in 2014. I made press releases. I like got interviews in magazines and everything. I like everything was ready to go, but I kept, I kept like the perfectionist yeah. in me. I was like, maybe I could find another one that's really good. Or maybe I could mix these a little bit better. Or like, maybe I can like enhance them just a little bit more. So I kept putting it off, but I was always playing it live in my sets, you know? And then um, last, Two years ago, I was talking to one of my Vietnamese homies, uh, Teddy Chilla. What's up, Teddy? Teddy Chilla. He was like, bro, you have to drop this. Like, you've been playing these for, like, 10 years. Like, bro, her, just hurry the fuck up. Like, and I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to drop it. So we dropped it. I dropped it, like, right before that in, you know, Vietnam. So, um, yeah, so that's pretty much the the core of it. Like, my approach, how I came, came to. So I, I, I want to provide some feedback because... Um, I was one of the you gave me a preview of it you also um yeah i i i also promoted it on vq media and it went crazy um i think the the reaction to it and the uh, anticipation for it what was there so uh really i you were definitely onto something <laughs> and it it also it it spoke it it spoke to a lot of people i mean it's it's it, it's extremely distinctive and uh I'm, I'm proud that it's out do you do you plan on doing another volume? Yeah, I'm gonna drop pack two probably sometime before the end of this year. Uh, again, I just gotta like stop being so perfectionist with it and just put them out. Cause like, I, even though like I made the edits, I found the songs and curated them and, and like put them out. Like, I feel like it would be long to like all of us, you know? Like, I'm just kind of like the vessel that it goes through. Like, it's cause it's really, it's Vietnamese American history, right? You know, like we all grew up with it. We all know what it is, you know? Um, and just like here, like sometimes we thought it was corny, but now it's like, we've, we've grown from it, you know, like some of it still is corny, but some of it is amazing, you know? So, and that's just, that's just part of it. I think one thing I want to uh, mention to the audience, and I know you probably were, um, advised or were part of this project, but I believe there's a 
whole documentary that's being um, uh, directed and produced by Vietnamese American, um, and I'm. I, I know she, I'm, I've been anticipating the release of this particular project. So were, were you involved in it? Yeah, yeah. Um, Elizabeth, she came to me. Well, she was doing research in Vietnam and L.A., I believe. And a lot of people were like, yo, Demon Slayer, he's playing New Wave. He's an archivist. Like, hit him up, hit him up. So we finally connected, um, interviewed, you know, did a bunch of stuff. I helped her with some stuff behind the scenes, like music things uh, and with Vietnam crew and crew over here. So... Yeah, it should be. I'm, I'm excited to not only see the project, but I I can imagine the way that this a project is going to be um, presented to the community. Um, I can imagine the different types of entertainers that will come out. The um the space, like imagine doing a space like this, and like <laughs> and 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 just bringing all the legends, right? Are the people that were contributed to it and uh, making a full theme. Like I'm. Just from an experience level, I think that's going to be something really unique. And I almost feel, Orange, it, it's only fitting for it to to premiere here and maybe here in this space, man. Has to premiere here. Has to have a party in Public Hall. It's like, this is where it was born. This is you know? where it was born. Yeah, this is where Vietnamese New Wave and just that whole era, not only New Wave, but that whole scene. You know, because it was a, like a billion dollar record industry, you know, like Paris by Night, Lang Bang. You know, Asia Entertainment, like, like they killed it here. Like back then, it went so hard. You know, so yeah, this is based definitely the the base, right? The homeland. So then, I definitely can speak to you forever. I know that um, we, I'm I'm gonna be bringing you back to actually highlight, and we're gonna talk in depth, um, in detail about each of the songs. So we can do that on a different podcast. But um, tonight it's about uh, Live Nha and um, Quenya, right? I don't know why he does it. Or in, in like Vietnam style, it's just like Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate your time, man. And uh, thank you for having me. Yeah. Always good to talk to you. Absolutely historic and amazing event. So um, thank you to everybody who joined us on the podcast today. Um, definitely, this is the next chapter of this historic building, Fukuoka. And I'm very honored to be a part of it. So I want to thank you to our sponsors, Sunkai Jin, as well as um, Topo Chico for providing and hydrating me throughout this, uh, this entire podcast. And um, you can find us and download um, our, our, our podcast on Spotify, Apple Music, as well as on YouTube. Until next time.